what it looked like in the 70s and 80s might not look the same as uh, you know what it looks like now but but I think if you go back to to that idea of um, representing uh, underserved populations and making sure that the stories that matter to the people here are expressed on our stages um, it's going to create a really dynamic and interesting future for 25th Street. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. Welcome to a special bonus episode of YXE Underground, looking at the history of Saskatoon's 25th Street Theatre. We are lucky to have a strong tradition of live theatre in Saskatoon and what I've learned in the last few months is that 25th Street Theatre is at the heart of that tradition. I'll speak with three people who have played an important role in 25th Street Theatre's history and its current executive director to discover what the future holds for the Saskatoon Theatre Company in this special bonus episode of YXE Underground. I hope your summer is going well. It's certainly different to have a Saskatoon summer without events like the Jazz Festival, Shakespeare and the Saskatchewan and the exhibition, but this remains a very different time. So I hope you're staying safe and healthy. One of my Saskatoon summer staples is the Fringe Festival, which is produced by 25th Street Theatre. Now, due to COVID-19, the Fringe is not taking place in its traditional way, but it is moving online. From July 30th to August 8th, the This Is Not That Festival will bring all the energy and creativity of the Fringe online, and I'm really excited that this podcast is part of the festival. I was asked to tell the history of 25th Street Theatre by the company's current executive director, Anita Smith. Anita is a good friend of mine. She and my wife have been friends since they were kids growing up in southwest Saskatchewan, and I've had the fortune of interviewing Anita several times in her capacity as a local actor and director. She is a passionate and articulate voice for Saskatoon's theatre community, and when she asked if I would volunteer my time to make this podcast, well, it's really hard to say no to Anita. For brand new listeners of the podcast, YXE Underground features interviews with people who are making a difference in Saskatoon but are flying under the radar. The podcast just wrapped up its second season, with season three debuting in September. A few weeks ago, Anita came over to my backyard, which is where I am right now, to talk about 25th Street Theatre, the This Is Not That Festival, and why she's so excited about the future of the company. I started by asking Anita why she wanted to tell the history of 25th Street Theatre in a podcast. I wanted to tell the history of 25th Street Theatre because I've been in the job with 25th Street for a year, and when I got there and I started digging, I was finding it difficult to find information on what the theater company had done before. Uh, so I felt like that had been lost from the general consciousness of our community. Like it felt like we didn't have that information just floating around freely anymore. As a theater artist in the city, I know a lot about the companies that are working here um, because because I've been involved with them. But 25th Street isn't producing their own work anymore. So that history, which was a, a very long history of them creating their own work and producing their own shows, seemed to have been lost. 
So I wanted to bring that back and start talking about what it was we had done, which would hopefully help us figure out where it is we want to go. Why, why was this so, why was this so important to you? I think that 25th Street was really integral to establishing the theatre scene here in Saskatoon in particular. Uh, there were two theatre companies that were um, sort of getting started at the same time. Persephone Theatre, which is very well established in our community right now, um, and 25th Street Theatre. And somewhere along the line, 25th Street just sort of disappeared, faded away. Um, and the name 25th Street Theatre is not something that people are even aware of right now when they aren't aware that the Saskatoon Fringe is produced by 25th Street Theatre. That's all we've become known as is Saskatoon Fringe Festival. But there is a whole theatre company with an entire history, a very long and complex history behind it. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that back into the conversation. And because I'm new in this job, um, I want to look at where we're going to go. Where Where is 25th Street going to go next? Um, and so there's been a lot of conversation at the board level about what we used to do. Uh, so that piqued my curiosity even further to go digging into what exactly is it that we used to do. Um, I, I want to get to the future in a bit, but when you started to learn about what 25th Street Theatre used to do, were, were there some things that stood out to you? For sure. Um, one thing that definitely stood out was that we have an Oscar-nominated actor who has been a part of our company in the past. Graham Greene, um, who was nominated for the Best Supporting Actor Award uh, for his work in Dances with Wolves, uh, did a show with 25th Street Theatre. The show Paper Wheat is billed as the most famous play to ever come out of Saskatchewan. There was a National Film Board documentary made about the show. It definitely struck a chord with people in this province at the time that it was out touring. So that's another one that uh, stands out to me. We've had a really rich history in terms of um, you don't have to look far to see that artists that you are watching work right now in our community have a connection to 25th Street Theatre in some way. Uh, do you know why the, the history sort of like fell, fell off a bit? Because um, like it, it is a very eclectic history, but obviously like, like you said, everyone in this, in this city in the theatre scene has, has some sort of connection to it. But what, why do you think the history sort of got lost? I think when they made the decision to, um, it, it was, they were basically forced to make a decision as to whether or not to continue to produce their own work or to continue to produce the Fringe Festival. And they made the decision to produce the Fringe Festival. And I think when that happened, uh, you know, the Fringe, the Fringe is a powerful engine and it just basically took over the narrative. And that's who 25th Street became. Um, you mentioned um, the importance of learning about the past so that you kind of know where to go in the future. So, Anita Smith, where would you like to go in the future for this uh, for this theater company? Well, Eric, that's not entirely up to me, but <laughs> uh, I, we are having a lot of conversations at the board level right now about what we feel, what place we feel we could hold within the community. Uh, we're examining you know basically what's out there right now 
Saskatoon's theater community is super active. It's really vibrant. Uh, well, I mean, COVID has put a damper on things, of course, but but it it is um, happening in place. And so, um, basically, we're kind of wondering, well, where do where do we fit in now? And a lot has been revealed to me based on what we have been looking back at, um, which has helped me to figure out where I think we need to go. And where I think we need to go is, um, you know, people will say like, we need to get back to our roots, back to who we were, but. I don't think there's any point in going back, um, but it doesn't mean we can't learn from what we did. And I think what was happening, you know, in the heyday of um, 25th Street Theatre was they were really, they were tapping into um, an audience that felt underrepresented on the stages, an audience who felt that their stories weren't being heard. Uh, an audience that didn't see themselves reflected up there on stage. And that's a conversation that I'm interested in having um, because I think that we are, are not serving everyone that we could serve as a theater community. So um, what it looked like in the 70s and 80s might not look the same as uh, you know what it looks like now, but, but I think if you go back to, to that idea of... Um, representing uh, underserved populations and making sure that the stories that matter to the people here are expressed on our stages, um, it's going to create a really dynamic and interesting future for 25th Street. One of the many things I admire about you is that when you put your mind to something, um, it, it gets done, but it gets done in a very uh, creative and, and caring and collaborative way. Um, so I'm very excited to see where the future of the uh, of the theater company goes. And um, I just want to thank you personally um, for asking me to uh, be involved in this podcast project because I, I think it's a it's a cool way to tell the story um, and yet also um, sort of lay the path for what's to come. So thanks, Anita. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. Eric, I wouldn't have had anyone else do it. When looking at the history of Saskatoon's 25th Street Theatre, it makes sense to begin with Duane Brenna. Duane is an award-winning author who wrote Our Kind of Work, The Glory Days and Difficult Times of 25th Street Theatre back in 2011. The book was nominated for a Saskatchewan Book Award in nonfiction. Duane has a very eclectic history with 25th Street, and man can he tell a story, especially when it comes to the company's first artistic director, Andy Than. He gave me a wonderful history lesson earlier this month in his backyard here in Saskatoon, and I started by asking why he wanted to write a book on 25th Street Theatre. What kind of amazed me was their constant battles over uh, finances with, the, well, mostly the Saskatchewan Arts Board, <laughs> but, but uh, you know, the Canada Council as well, their struggles to get uh, funding from them. And I know, you know, because I interviewed Andy Tan, for the book you know I know he was he was more interested in me you know celebrating the artistic successes and there were many you know Paper Wheat was a huge artistic uh, success possibly uh, the greatest example of popular culture to have left uh, this province as a theatrical piece uh, you know playing across Canada uh, you know to, to rave reviews in places like Toronto and Montreal uh, so there was that, but there was there, there were also just some 
hilarious moments in the in the running of the theater that uh, intrigued me too. I, I you know I happened to uh, work with Andy Tan uh, as an actor at the end of uh, at the end of the period that I wrote about in 1982. I I toured a show uh, called the Laughing Jack Rivers Show, playing a playing a bartender, a kind of an anti-artist bartender. <laughs> and the show featured uh, a young uh, Colin Munn, who is now known as Colin James, uh, playing guitar. Uh, Ian Black uh, was in the show. Uh, John LeClaire, uh, you know, some, some uh, really good musicians in the show as well. And it was mostly about a, uh, it was mostly a musical. It was by Ken Mitchell, who wrote the uh, who wrote the text, and Michael Taylor, who wrote the songs. Michael, of course, worked with Humphrey and the Dump Trucks and all those guys that, you know, hung around 25th Street Theater. But, you know, I remember going into Melfort towards the end of our tour. We toured the province, and, uh, you know, <laughs> the theater was going broke. It was always going broke. It was run on a shoestring. And... <laughs> And uh, we always sent an advanced vehicle in with posters and things. And uh, as we were approaching Melfort, we heard that the guy uh, driving the advanced vehicle was charged with auto theft. <laughs> that the cops had impounded the vehicle so there would be no publicity for this show. And what had happened was it was, you know, Andy had just borrowed the car from a friend, right? Because he had no money to pay for it. And the friend, I don't know what he thought, but you know, after about a month, he kind of went, well, where's my car? And Andy was nowhere to be found because he was out on the road with the show. And so he reported it stolen, you know, and it, we got picked up in Melford with a stolen vehicle. It was, did, did the show go ahead in Melford that oh, night? Yeah, man, we did Melford. We did Prince Albert after that. We ended up down south somewhere. I forget where it was, Swift Current or someplace like that. And, and you know, we get a call from Andy, you know, after the show. He said, uh, he said, you have to come home. And I'm like, we had like two weeks left of the tour. And I said, why, Andy, why? And he said, uh, well, because the theater's bankrupt. Uh, we're in receivership. So we had, to, we had to make our way back to Saskatoon. I remember Ken and Michael were, you know, kind of interested in keeping the tour going as a as a kind of an independent production but we were all hired under equity contracts so uh you know we would have been uh you know in trouble with our union had we had we continued in that way but I, you know i'm not sure that every show was run that way by 25th street theater but it was really you know it was my first time being employed first and well, no, not my last, but my first time be being employed by 25th Street Theater. And I kind of went, whoa, this is, this is theater on the run. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, too, like, at, at that time, like, how, how hard was it for a theater company like 20, 25th Street Theater to, to, like, not only make a profit, but just kind of sustain itself? Like, what, what, was, what was the theater scene like then? Well, I mean, 25th Street had a, a large subscription audience that was made up of a lot of kind of university students, ex-university students, a very educated audience, and they were willing to spend money on plays that were not proven. You know, they were interested in, in Saskatchewan art. But, you know, anytime a theater company comes in with such a regional mandate as 25th Street Theater had, 
they're going to have trouble, uh, you know, getting money from, you know, the Canada Council, the Arts Board, any arts groups, because, you know, I mean, just by the nature of the beast, if you're just producing new plays, it's, they're going to be uh, plays that are untested and probably you're going to have like one hit per season. So out of five or six plays, you know, maybe one show is, is really good, you know. Uh, the subscription audience at the time in the 70s seemed to be fine with that. But, you know, in order to get money from the Arts Board, you know, for example, when Persephone Theatre came in at about the same time, you know, they were doing tried and tested, often American plays, Hot L, Baltimore. I, I, I did Long Day's Journey into Night there uh, just a year before the Jack, Laughing Jack Rivers show. Uh, you know, and they were getting, you know, pretty good funding and continue to do so, as you can see. I mean, you know, they occupy a, a beautiful uh, new theater in town. And, of course, there was the whole theater space fiasco. There was no purpose-built theater space for what were then the, the two major professional companies in the town, 25th and Persephone. You know, 25th performed in, you know, on a... In a disused store on 8th Street for a while and Castle Theatre, St. James Hall over, you know, over on the west side, uh, various other spaces, Greystone Theatre on campus, and and then, you know, they ended up uh, in the period that I'm writing about sharing a, an old church on 20th Street with Persephone Theatre. Uh, so, I mean, you know, they, they were, they were constantly looking for the possibility of a dedicated theater space, you know, that even if the two of them could share it, uh, you know, it didn't quite work out that way in the end. You know, Persephone seemed to have gotten the space. Persephone is, or uh, 25th Street is, you know, largely working through the fringe right now and so forth, and with no permanent theater space uh, even yet, I think. You know, you you paint a, a a picture of, you know, this this theater company that is definitely telling unique stories and unique Saskatchewan stories. Um, and and like you said, they they have a dedicated following, um, even though like, you know, there was no like kind of guaranteed hits for their plays. They were still telling these these stories, and there was that dedicated following. I'm I'm wondering why why do you think they had such a dedicated following that was willing to, like I picture it like as a um, like I love music and, and, you know, when certain bands that I love, maybe they do an album that's kind of out of left field. I'm, I'm going to stick with them and, and kind of go down that journey with them. But why do you think so many people were willing to follow 25th street, wherever, <laughs> wherever their creative influences led them? Well, I think Tan was a very diverse individual. He grew up in Saskatoon here. He knew a lot of people. If you talk to arts funders about Andy Tan, they will say that you just couldn't say no to the guy. <laughs> he would just wear you down. <laughs> but he also did that with the people he worked with. Not wear them down, but, but, but you know, get them involved. So in his vision of 25th Street Theatre, he saw it as a kind of a polymorphous uh, outfit uh, that was not just theatre. It was uh, literary arts, it was music, it was everything else. So for example, Don Freed, if you were to uh, interview him, would 
talk about his long association with 25th Street Theatre. They also had a journal for a while uh, uh, called Targia, which was a literary journal, another feature of the theatre back then, which Bill Boyle, uh, who's a Los Angeles uh, uh, screenwriter now, uh, you know, was the was the uh, the editor for. So I mean, they were just <laughs> so diverse. You know, they appealed to such a broad sector of the community, but also you know they were interested in popular culture. You know, if you're if you're looking at you know the plays of most regional theaters, the 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 repertoire is arguably, you know, sort of upper-class theater. It's, uh, you know, it's plays that have done well on Broadway or on the West End of London and so forth. And if you look at Paper Wheat, it's got everything that popular theater should have. It's got uh, juggling, a fiddle player, uh, Bill Prokopchuk, who was the Western Canadian fiddle championship guy. Uh, it had all sorts of songs and music and had some juggling, some dancing, you know, vignettes about the wheat pool and the farm. It was, you know, if you were, if you were going to put together a show that somebody in Sintaluda might like just as much as somebody in Saskatoon, that would be the show, you know. So, I mean, at its best, 25th was able to cover that huge sort of popular theater mandate. Uh, that you know that's what made it really popular I mean I've got to say you know they struggled for a few years I mean 1972 to 75 were were a struggle for the theater and uh, you know it wasn't until uh, paper wheat came out uh, that you know all of a sudden you know the theater was seen to have come of age and and then uh, you know that was followed by a string of hits, not necessarily regional hits anymore. You know, by the late '70s, they were doing "Wolf Boy" by Brad Fraser from Edmonton. Uh, they were doing various plays from Vancouver and Toronto as well. They were still Canadian in their mandate, uh, but less regional in their mandate. And I mean, the problem with the whole regional mandate was there was no Saskatchewan Playwrights Centre in 1975. So there were few people who would call themselves professional playwrights in the province at the time. You know, once the Playwrights Centre came along, people could workshop plays. You know, there was a, a brief golden period where a lot of playwrights were working in the province. Uh, you know, and I, and I would say that that movement kind of started to fizzle when 25th Street stopped producing, you know, new work. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's the legacy of 25th Street Theatre. You know what, it, it was just funny, because I, I was just about to ask you as a final question what that, that legacy is of, of 25th Street Theatre, but you, you sort of touched on it there. Is there, is there anything else, though, like, like when you, when you think back to, obviously, to the book that you wrote, but just to that time period and, and you see what's happening today with, with the company and just the theatre scene in, in this city and province. Any other legacies stand out to you? Well, you know, I mean, uh, it's still, uh, the theatre is still the, the, the beacon for uh, popular culture and a certain kind of uh, devised theatre. I mean, we talk a lot about devised theatre. You know, I teach in the drama department at the university. 
We talk a lot about that in classes and, and sometimes do a lot of devised theater, but 25th Street Theater was doing that before almost anybody else in Canada was doing it. Was you, you have to explain to me what devised theater is. Oh, that's that's simply a collective creation where, okay. where the actors, uh, you know, take a, do the research, uh, as they did on Paper Wheat, for example, uh, read all the books they can about the founding of the Saskatchewan Wheat Pool and then turn that into uh, a play, which is often trial and error. Actors are given assignments there asked to, you know, uh, uh, improvise a scene about uh, Ed Partridge and the founding of the Wheat Pool or something like How to make that interesting, but they did, right? I mean, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have looked at it as an interesting thing. I mean, there was only really, you know, one other theater uh, at the time uh, that was kind of the flagship of that movement. That was Theater Pass Marais in Toronto. And 25th Street had uh, a long-standing relationship with them. Uh, Paul Thompson from Theatre Pass Marais came out and and uh, devised the West Show out here, which became a, a big show back in Toronto. And then, uh, and then as a, sort of a return favor, he helped Andy on a production called uh, "If You're So Good, Why Are You in Saskatoon?" You know, which is like I think about 1978. I can't I, I can't remember the dates, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so here's this beacon of devised, improvised theater in this province, uh, you know, when it wasn't happening uh, too often in other places in Canada. Of course, you know, there were also people like Linda Griffiths and Sharon Backer and Lane Coleman, uh, Bob Baker, uh, and others, many others. Uh, who uh, went out, you know, got their start with 25th Street Theatre and then went out into the country and became uh, major shakers and movers. Uh, so that also is, I'd say, part of the legacy of the theatre. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you and hearing all these stories. Um, the next time I go to Melfort, I'll look at it a little bit differently. <laughs> I grew up near Melfort, so oh, yeah. it's got a special a special ring for me. I remember thinking, hey, I'm going home. Well, wait a minute, the car's been stolen. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Uh, Duane, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for inviting me to your beautiful backyard on a sunny July afternoon. Um, and yeah, thanks for sharing so many stories. Thank you. Thank you for coming, Eric, and uh, enjoyed talking to you. One of 25th Street Theatre's strengths over the years has been its desire to tell authentic Saskatchewan stories. That was certainly the case when it produced a play called Jessica, a play co-written by Linda Griffiths and Maria Campbell based on Maria's life. Maria Campbell is an esteemed and award-winning Métis playwright and author. She lives in Saskatoon and is currently a cultural advisor at the University of Saskatchewan's Indigenous Law Centre. Maria graciously invited me to her home to talk not only about her experiences with 25th Street Theatre, but why Indigenous stories need to be told in Saskatchewan, no matter how challenging they are. I first met people at 25th Street when I went to see the farm show. So it was a long time ago. And then over the years, I got, you know, I would run into people from there because I was living in Edmonton. And then I did, um, I did uh, Jessica with Paul Thompson, and uh, and so that was how we ended up uh, 
working with 25th Street. He wanted to produce it in the West. And so uh, he, he worked, uh, I can't even remember who the, the artistic director was at the time. And then I moved back that year. My father got very ill, so I came home. And then we, we rehearsed uh, Jessica here, and then um, it, it played. And then I, you know, we'd come, to, we'd come to plays. And then I did uh, a play with um, the late Harry Daniels called One More Time, but uh, Tom Bentley Fisher was the artistic director then. And, and so uh, they did a series of plays by Indigenous playwrights that, that year. And there was myself and, and uh, somebody, uh, what was his name now? I can't remember, but there was, I think, three or four plays. And uh, so that was how I, but I've never really had anything to do with uh, 25th Street. Tom was a friend of mine, and, uh, and that was, uh, the play was already written when we, when we came. And, um, and that was it. I, I don't know much about it since because uh, it closed down after a while, and, you know. Um, I'm wondering when when you were living in Edmonton, would like would, as as someone who um, you would go to plays produced by the Twenty Fifth Street Theater. What what was like what were what were their plays like back in the day? They were quite amazing because they were they were doing improv and they were doing a different kind of theater that hadn't been done before. You know, uh, so they were they were they were exciting. You know, uh, they were really innovative, and um, I don't know what else to say no, about them except they were different. They weren't. Uh, they were not traditional plays. Eh? Yeah, I, and, I was and just they were very uh, grounded in community. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just when you were describing it, the word that popped into my mind was it must have been exciting to see that, and then you and then you said it. But yeah, that was that must have been so neat to see like, because. It, it seemed like, and in doing some a few other interviews too, it seemed like no one else was doing what they were doing at the time. No, I think the only one, the only theater that I know that was doing it in in Canada was Theater Passmerai in Toronto, and um, I mean everybody was playing around with it, but they were the, you know, Twenty Fifth Street and Passmerai were the two that were really successful. When you um, when you started working on on One More Time, um, did you like, did you feel comfortable knowing that this was the this was the company that was going to produce this play? I I didn't want to go away. I didn't want to, you know, it, it wasn't a play that was that would have, would have worked if it would have been someplace else. It was very uh, local. Well, local. It was very Saskatchewan, so it would have been kind of difficult someplace else. Yeah. Um, what what? Why do you think, Maria? It's it's important for for theater companies like like 25th street theater um not only in the past but especially now too why why is it important for a company like that to tell saskatchewan stories well why would you want to tell somebody else's stories <laughs> you know i mean we're, we're um, you know where we've always we have some really powerful stories here stories that nobody else can tell and uh, and it just seems like I've never understood why people would want to tell stories about something else, you know, other than the province. It's the you know when I say it's exciting, the uh, the 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 
events in history, the 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 just the way we are. The the the, the you know it's you can't find people like that in other places. Well, you probably can. I'm I might be kind of <laughs> you know, but but we do have. Uh, we have a history of resistance in Saskatchewan. We have a, uh, we have uh, people are very, we're very, uh, people work together, or used to. We we uh, we have incredible tensions. You know, everything is 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 uh, is very passionate and very strong. We we don't. I don't think that in Saskatchewan there's anything that's mediocre. It's all very. It's like the sky and the sunsets, and you, you don't find any like that anyplace else. Even our tensions are like that, you know, the tensions between people. They're not, there's nothing hidden about them. They're, they're out there and in your face all the time. That's, that's very true. And, and that's so true, too, about the, our skies and our sunsets. But you, you mentioned something that really piqued my interest, and that's the, the collaborative approach that, that can happen. And I'm wondering when you, um, when, when One More Time was being produced here, was it, in your mind, was it kind of a, a collaborative experience to go from, you know, uh, uh, the written word to actually being produced on the stage? Uh, yeah, it was. I, uh, I really hoped that 25th Street would do it. Um, and then, you know, could have went anyplace else after. Um, it did tour in Saskatchewan which is what I wanted. But it didn't leave the province because everything was kind of falling apart for 25th Street at the time. And, um, yeah, so it was... It's uh, There's a film producer that has it now and they want to do a, a screenplay of it. But again, who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> well, was it important for you that, that it did tour around the province, though, at the time? Yeah, it was, because it was, for me, and which is why I like 25th Street, too, you know, with the plays that I saw, because you could make, you could, you could be political and you could make statements, like you could, you know, uh, it's not like that anymore. And and it certainly wasn't happening with Persephone at the time, nor uh, you know is it happening today. I think Joel's play last year was probably the first play that had any grit to it, and you know, and and, and showed the side of of Saskatchewan that's that that's really strong. Well, why why do you think that is that there isn't enough grit? In, in theater being produced here today. Well, I think we have in Saskatchewan we have a tendency to try to be, to be, somebody, and we don't realize that somebody is, is here. <laughs> it's all about being here. We, uh, I don't think we, I, I just don't think that we appreciate ourselves enough. Yeah. That's that's my, my thing. <laughs> um. You know what, this I, is not a good yeah. place to be. I'm not, you know, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination making it sound like Saskatchewan is the greatest place. It's a tough place to live, especially if you're a person of color or if you're indigenous. But it, but you you, it's there all the time. You know it's there. It's not pretending that it's not.
You are listening to a special bonus episode of YXC Underground. I'm your host, Eric Anderson. In this episode, we're looking at the history of Saskatoon's 25th Street Theatre as part of the This Is Not That Festival, which is replacing the Fringe this year. You can subscribe for free to YXC Underground on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Stream episodes on Spotify or the website yxeunderground.com. And if you know of someone who is making a difference in our community but is flying under the radar, please let me know. You can send an email to ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. One of our community's fiercest advocates for female voices in Saskatoon's theatre scene has been Cynthia Dick. Cynthia is currently the executive director of On the Board Staging Company here in Saskatoon and helped create the Hurricane Women's Festival that was put on by the 25th Street Theatre in the late 1990s. Cynthia was kind enough to have me over to her house where we talked about the importance of telling Saskatoon stories on stage and the legacy of 25th Street Theatre in our community. I started our conversation by asking Cynthia about her very first experience with 25th Street Theatre. Well, 25th Street Theatre, interesting, is the theatre that I would have cut my teeth on. Um, I grew up in the 70s. Both 25th and Persephone started in the 70s, but 25th Street Theatre was the one that I saw the productions of when I was in high school. So I saw their shows in in their early years and was just fascinated with their um uh they did they did what was called collective creation then and um so those were the shows that I saw and was I was just fascinated by the uh by the the technique so explain to me a little bit more about that like technique and and what the shows were because that sounds interesting um collective creation was um Sort of a mishmash of starting with improv and then moving it into a scripted or or consistent scene. So it was, um, they developed it, I believe, by working with Paul Thompson from um, Theatre Pass Marai in Toronto. And uh, Theatre Pass Marai came out here with, with a show created that way. And so 25th had had already started, or there was a group of them, um, that went, hey, we want to do that. So, so they, they got them to kind of teach them what it was about. And then, um, and then that's where they created, um, um, two unique things about, no, sorry, that was my high school show that we did with Lane Coleman. Um, if you're so good, why are you in Saskatoon? Um, prairie, uh, uh I don't say prairie wheat, prairie wheat. Is that it? All of a sudden, I'm blanking because it's like their most famous paper wheat. That's it. Paper wheat uh, was a collective creation. Those, I think, were the two that I remember the most. But they, but they did some other ones like that too. So, can can you take me back to like Cynthia in high school, and you're you're watching this? Like, do do you remember like how it made you feel and and what was going through your mind when you when you saw those performances? You know what I. Th- think was the most interesting I remember vividly um, if you're so good what are you doing in Saskatoon and it was the first time you re- I really saw myself reflected 
in a play. We were so used to seeing, we're so used to Canadian content now and shows that are about our society and our country and, and, and our lives. But in the 70s, that didn't exist. We all, we did Neil Simon plays. We saw, we saw American plays all the time. We saw big musicals. We knew more about American life than we did anything about Canadian life. So this, um, the stage and, and there really weren't a lot of Canadian playwrights either. So that was really through the 70s and early 80s that really started. So 25th, when seeing uh, If You're So Good, Why Are You in Saskatoon, was the first time I really saw myself reflected, my world, talking about streets that I knew, talking about high schools that I knew. And uh, that was absolutely um fascinating. That's so cool. And then you went on to act in the theater, is that correct? I ended up um, being um, in a show, cast in a show with 25th in 1979. So that was my first professional show. And uh, um, yeah, so that was a very interesting experience too. What what stands out about that experience to you? Well, it was, um, it was intimidating but it was also um it was intimidating but it was also uh really um informative because we learn oh, oh we learn by that pack around us right so so i learned from the professionals around me how uh how a theater works behind the scenes how the rehearsal process works how how you do a costume fitting how you be in the what is the protocol for being in a dressing room with somebody i mean all those things you don't think of right so it's a very informative those first jobs are really important for actors because it's telling them it all all of that teaching them all of that behavior wow would you say it was a good it was a good place to cut your teeth and, and to learn all those things? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, all right. So you 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 watch the plays, you act in them. Um, and then how, how, how does your relationship kind of ebb and flow in, in the next, uh, I guess, few decades after that? Well, yeah. I left Saskatoon in the 80s and came back in about 99. So I came back in 1999, and that was with 25th, was just when the artistic directorship had been taken over by Glenn Cairns. Um, I knew Glenn Cairns from university. I'd gone to university here in Saskatoon. And so that I got involved in the theater again. So uh, I was on the board of directors, but one of the main projects I was involved in in those first years was um, the Women's Festival, which became the Hurricane Women's Festival. Um, that grew out of, Glenn was new in town. He was meeting, all these people were introducing themselves, uh, wanting work, telling him who they were. He was getting, you know, lots of auditions, meeting people. And there were zillions and zillions of talented women, but he knew there was very little he was going to be able to offer them. So he had a conversation with, uh, with a young woman who sort of came to him and said, look, what, what you need, you need to do something. We need to, you know, we've got all these great women around and you need to do something. And he said, okay, what should we do? And, um, and so they thought about, it. and she said, well, I don't know, but why don't we, why don't we, 
get a bunch of people, want to have a meeting, we'll get a bunch of people together and we'll see, we'll see what we can do. So I think I was just reading in my notes, I think it was like 35, 45 people um, arrived at that first meeting. So that's how starved, <laughs> how starved um, the women in the city were for doing things for they just they're just the opportunity just wasn't here what why why wasn't the opportunity there at that time um we had we had uh shakespeare on the saskatchewan we had 25th street theater and we had persephone theater um persephone theater is still doing very i i'm gonna say traditional as in standard theater so it doesn't use many women shakespeare on the saskatchewan really doesn't use many women they do cross casting now but at that time there was no cross casting so so uh you know the, the most you had could be cast in summer were four women um um and uh 25th street theater had been doing uh new plays but they were usually small casts so that was maybe two one or two women per play so there just wasn't in the professional theater scene there just wasn't a lot of work um, can you uh, can you explain just uh, what is what is to your left here because this is audio but I'm I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at a binder. Yes. Yes. I started. Um, uh, there was the women's festival was kind of conceived by this huge group, but then it was um, administered just through a volunteer committee of which I was a part of that volunteer committee. Um, and kind of uh, loosely chaired in the first year and then went on to chair and, and kind of coordinate all the, um, the volunteers and the, and the whole festival after that. So I, the binder that you see to my um, left is the binder of the archives of the festival. So mostly it was, it was a little bit of a blueprint for me of the, of the technical ongoing things of the scheduling and how many people and how many volunteer hours and how, what was the audience and and uh, the worksheets and who did what and the different job descriptions. It's a thick binder, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> it is a thick binder. Look at all those tabs. And this is really only from one year. So this is kind of would have been the thing that it would have been for one year and then you would try to do a template for each year as you were going. But I did find some interesting things when I knew I was going to be talking to you because I found the, the first festival, which was just called the, the Women's Festival, March 8th to the 14th of 1999. And that was at Capri Place, which, was, which is now uh, Lighthouse. It used to be the Capri Hotel. And 25th Street Theatre had, a, had a, a temporary theatre in there for a couple of seasons okay. in what used to be the bar, the Capri Bar, yes. And uh, uh, so that was the space we were in the first time. And uh, do, do you remember the energy of of that first of that first festival that you're talking about now? Oh, like, what was that energy like? It was amazing. Yeah. Now you know, I look on this poster. It says 33 participating groups. So there were a lot of people involved in this, and that was theater, that was visual art, music, poetry, and and literary readings. So it spanned it was really a, a jam-packed i think the first year it was like just seven days or something um uh, but funny story we had um, and i looked at this and that was remind me this is the um press release from the first um first um 
festival and there was the press conference on Wednesday the 3rd and it was at the Capri and we everybody we were all there we got all the performers and everybody that could be there so we could have a full room for the press and everybody had their little speeches and all the stuff and we're waiting and we're waiting and there's no press and there's no press and they had they had RSVP like we were expecting people and it's just like nobody nobody so finally somebody said of course pre-cell phones said okay I'm gonna I'll make a phone call and find out if I can find out what's going on well all the news outlets in town had left and all the cameras had left town this is early this is morning probably 11 or something yeah 10 a.m because there were dead cows in a field south of the city so i if it was like hanley davidson i'm not positive where but it was dead cows in a field so which was a mystery as to what was happening but all the news outlets hit the road to go and we're standing there going so are they gonna take pictures of dead cows in the field like what the heck and but to this day that remains an expression that um anybody that was involved in there my husband is one of them that we use it's an expression for what we use when you're expecting somebody and they don't show up and we say ah must have been dead cows in a field <laughs> That's that's a really great story. Um, it's it's hard to compete with dead cows in Saskatchewan. Well, it's true, it's isn't true. it? It is. Isn't it? it is true. Yes. Um, how how long did the did the women's festival run for, Cynthia? Now, ninety nine was it in its inaugural second second year. So two thousand was Hurricane Betty. So that's when it got its name, which was based. It's spelt like H E R dash Hurricane. So Hurricane and. Um, uh, the idea being then that we could change the name every year. So it could be Betty as you change the name of hurricanes as you go along. And then in 2000, so first we were in the Capri. The second year we were in St. John's Hall because that's where 25th moved then. And then um, 2000, no, that was 2000. 2001, I believe we were in the refinery then um, because that's when the Refinery Arts and Spirit Centre opened and 25th uh, used that for the Hurricane Festival and for... Um, um fringe festival okay. so i think that's where we ended up i am not sure the exact year it ended uh i was involved in the planning of the of the festival for those first two two years very much maybe in a bit of the third uh but then it there was new management there were new people involved and it went another direction but it was really focused on the um the that there was so much talent in the city. It wasn't about emerging talent. It was about, there was just so many women that had, could do so much that they, um, uh, and there was just those, those opportunities just weren't there. Um, I'm just looking at the message from the artistic directors, Glenn Cairns in this, from this first festival. And, um, I'm just looking and he says, um, yeah, the, uh, that first meeting I was talking about, yeah, yeah 36 people showed up. Uh, and then over the eight, next eight months, uh, the volunteer committee worked towards building the festival. And then um, um, he says, in the last sentence, he says, with a smorgasbord, I hate that word, <laughs> with, with, a, with a lot 
of work uh, to offer. Everything from theater to performance art to music, dance, and the visual arts, this festival is a testimony to the strength and ingenuity of some of the women among us who just happen to be artists. Wow. That's really nice. And that, that sort of leads to my last question for you, which, which is, what, what do you think the legacy is of, you know, this, this was 21 years ago, um, and yet... Like, I, 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 I think that's a really relevant statement, what you just wrote. So what, do, you, do you think about the legacy? It is. And I think it, I think it was a legacy definitely to the women that were involved in that. Um, and I hope then that what we learned uh, uh, by being empowered through that, we were able to transfer and keep going to, um, to other, um, other uh, uh, women coming up behind us. Um, we also, in my big purple binder, um, we did a, we did uh, a post mortem after the first year, and one of the things we really we asked people. Um, so this was the performers, the committee, um, the people involved, some of the some of the um, art um, audience, and asked them what they liked most about the festival and what they wanted to see us build on and repeat. And so from that, we started to begin building a mission statement, which was to create and implement a multidiscipline arts event to provide an opportunity and catalyst for the artistic development of women artists in Saskatchewan. So that, that, um, that the sort of elements of that were then to provide an open, safe environment to explore and develop your own voice, share and validate your work, reduce isolation, and the nature of artistic and build artistic community spirit to gather and celebrate accomplishments. So I hope that some, those were the foundations of, of, um, of what it was built on. It's what I want to say what grew out of it, but that was really the spirit that it was built on and that we recognized that. And I hope that some of those principles we've been able to keep, keep relevant in the community. If you look at some of the early programs of the people that were involved in those festivals, there are people that are still involved in the theater community here today, as well as the visual visual and literary communities. Um, so it, they weren't they weren't lightweights. They weren't lightweights. There was a lot of great uh, great uh, uh, people that that came together um, to make the festival happen. And it was very celebratory, which I think was was it was a little bit of up your bum. It was like we're going to do this in spite of. We're yeah. not waiting for permission. We're just going to do it and have a great time. Uh, Cynthia, this has been great speaking with you. Um, thank you so much for explaining not only your 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 deep connection with Twenty Fifth Street Theater, but then the, the the history of 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 the Women's Festival and and um, the next time no media show up to an event I'm hosting, I will think of dead cows and you. So <laughs> cows in a field. That's where just gotta go. Damn it! Must be dead cows in a field somewhere. Cynthia, thank you so much for the time. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much.
This has been a special bonus episode of YXE Underground looking at the history of Saskatoon's 25th Street Theatre Company. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. A big thank you to Dwayne Brenna, Maria Campbell, and Cynthia Dick for taking the time to share their stories on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. A special thank you to Anita Smith, 25th Street Theatre's Executive Director, for trusting me to tell this story. And a big thank you to 25th Street Theatre's summer student, Megan McDonald, for booking all of the guests you just heard and responding to my many many emails these past few months. Megan, you are a rock star. Don't forget to subscribe to YXE Underground on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Feel free to leave a review as well. You can also stream episodes on Spotify or on the website yxeunderground.com. Follow YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you know of someone who is making a difference in Saskatoon but is flying under the radar, let me know. You can send an email to ericandersonyxe at gmail.com. I hope you enjoy the This Is Not That Festival happening from July 30th to August 8th. And I know Anita and her team thanks you for supporting live theatre in all of its forms here in Saskatoon. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that all of these interviews were conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.